Hey y'all, I'm Reese, and welcome to Making Meaning. Making Meaning is a podcast by the Cohere Collective, and we are here to help you make meaning in a way that makes sense for you by sharing stories of how other people make meaning in their everyday lives. This week, I am joined by my best friend, Tyler McCall. Tyler and I met in high school at Lake Hill Preparatory School in Dallas, Texas, and are still really close friends to this day. We talk a little bit about how Tyler is actually the friendship that I've probably had for the longest and how our long-term friendship has really impacted the way that we've both seen each other and how we've viewed relationships and how friendships can grow as you both grow as individuals and how we can start by having this really immature high school kind of just best friendship that's turned into something really, really beautiful and rich and meaningful. Now, Tyler is a senior SMU student and she is double majoring in business and poli-sci. So with all of that being said, let's take a deep breath. and get started. Hello, Tyler. Cheers. Hello, Miss Reese. Thank you for being here. Thank you for taking time out of your busy Wednesday, (laughs) your school week to sit and talk with me and just chit chat i appreciate your time thanks for inviting me i've been like (laughs) waiting for you to invite me since you told me you're gonna be doing this i was like oh my god such a cute poet like every time you post an episode i'm like oh my god so good she hasn't texted me (laughs) she hasn't asked me yet (laughs) was waiting for the perfect opportunity to make sure it hit the right moment right you know um so to get started um I just want to ask, what is something that you are grateful for right now? Something I'm grateful for right now? Um, I am really grateful for the support network in my life. Ooh. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I mean, so I'm like a call. I don't really know how much like background on me is going to be like given. I'm like a college senior right now. Um, It's my last semester, probably. So... (laughs) kind of in a huge transitional period um and like not really knowing like obviously every kid my age right now is like going through the struggle of like not really knowing what's going to be next yeah like where they're going which is like a really hard thing and has like hit me pretty hard yeah but um I don't know I think I'm very lucky in the support network I have um you know I my family is like has only grown in importance in my life in the last couple years. Like, I talk to my parents all the time. Like, I feel like they're my best friends. Um, And they've been really, really good. I mean, I think a lot of people... I mean, there's so many different pressures you can have from your parents. Yeah, facts. For stuff like this right now. And, like, the only messaging I've been getting from my parents, even though I'm kind of struggling to get something planned out, is just, like, like, you know, you're smart, you're amazing. Like, 
you know, we're always here for you. Yeah. If you need a gap year, take it. If you want to work, go do that. Like, we're behind you with whatever you pick, which I think is really, really lucky to have yeah. that. Um, and then, like, my roommates, my boyfriend, like, they always just have nothing but love for me. Um, and so it's just being surrounded by that support during kind of a hard external time. Yeah. Um, I'm super grateful for. That's really amazing. And I think having the awareness that like you know that you have those really good people in your life that um not everyone is lucky to have but also parents that see you and see your goals and your dreams and they know that you're gonna get there so they're willing to like let you do your thing until you do get there I think is really special and so I really love that we started with that okay next question and then we'll kind of just go in whatever direction this takes us and you can take that in whatever that means to you if that's however you hear and interpret that question I want to know what your story is well oh that's tough I mean I feel like you know for like business school we have to practice interviews all the time right it's always the first question is like tell me about yourself and they're like you know (laughs) give the past the present and the future like Mm -hmm. um so I feel like I only ever talk about really SMU because you know when you're in college, you don't really talk about, like, high school. So. Right. I don't know. That's tough because I feel like everything that – everywhere I've been has contributed to my story, but yeah. I feel like that's also a super long story to give. That's all right. I want to hear it. Okay. I mean – Well, I know I've heard a lot of it already, <laughs> but I want to share it with people. <laughs> well, okay. Um, I – do you want me to start with, like, where I was born? Like, what is what is the story? Where does it begin? What Wherever you feel like your story began. So one time I was interviewing my colleague for the podcast, and she was like, I really don't think my story starts until I got to college, because that's kind of mm. when she was like, my life began. And other people were like, my life began when I was born in 1995. I know. So, I'm like, I want to hear what everyone else did so yeah. I can conform. <laughs> You're like, what is the benchmark? Um. Okay, well, I guess mine probably also starts – like when I was born um I wasn't born in Dallas but like I've grown up here like since I was conscious you didn't know I wasn't born in Dallas are you being serious right now wait no we I def- didn't know that. you definitely We've talked that. about this okay okay that's right because you were in um Arkansas Arkansas yeah that's right born in Arkansas moved here like when you were like two right yeah okay. I was born in Arkansas and then we moved to LA for like a year or something that's right and then moved here when I was two okay yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so pretty much lived in Dallas my whole life. Um, you know, I went to Lake Hill um, from kindergarten to senior year. So that was my life for a really, really long time. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, I've had, at least until I went to college, like, I feel like my life was characterized by stability. Like, mm. lived in the same town. I mean, like, I moved houses, but I moved from, like, I don't know five minutes away from school to one minute away <laughs> yeah so <laughs> still the same area um like yeah like same area um same school my whole life yeah with like kids that I'd known since kindergarten like my family like I don't have really older or really younger siblings like you know it's me and Matthew and he's two years younger than me so yeah I don't know I feel like all of that was just it was the same for a really long time. Not the same. Obviously, I was different when I was five than when I was 10 right. <laughs> and then 15. But but a lot of consistency. A lot of consistency. Um, yeah. Which, honestly, I, now that I'm explaining it, I actually think that is a 
big part of like who I am was the fact that I grew up with like consistency and stability mm. like around me pretty much all the time right um so yeah I mean I have so my parents um, my mom is from Dallas my dad's from Tulsa Oklahoma my mom went to um Lake Hill as well mm-hmm. and then SMU my dad went to public schools in the Oklahoma system and then OU um my mom I didn't know your dad went to OU that's funny. really yeah mm-hmm. OU for undergrad and med school actually oh okay nice yeah my mom was a lawyer she retired when we were in like maybe middle school to be like a stay-at-home mom yeah and then my dad is an eye surgeon so and then I have a little brother who's two years younger than me his name's Matthew um so yeah I went to the same school from kindergarten to 12th grade that was a school my mom went to for her whole life um my little brother also went there from kindergarten to 12th grade. It was K through 12. It was private school, really small, like 30 kids ish yeah. in a grade 400 something around there in the school, which is crazy. And so yeah. we met in high school and I graduated with a really small class too. But every time that I tell someone that like, yeah, I graduated with a class of 22, they're like, are you okay? <laughs> like, no, yeah. <laughs> like at SMU, whenever I'm like, you know, oh, I went to private school. Oh, I also went to private school. I'm like, yeah, I went to like a really small private school yeah. though. And they're like, oh no, me too. I only had like 150 people in my class. And I was, was like, like, no, no, no. You are going to be shocked by what I'm about to tell you. <laughs> yeah. Prepare to have your world rocked. <laughs> um, well, in people even say like, oh no, like the public school I went to was really small, like a hundred kids. And I was like, you don't, that was yeah. like my high school was a hundred right. kids. Um, so obviously you said that the stability of that and because so many kids do go to Lake Hill for life where they start there in kindergarten and graduate from high school from there um why what else do you think staying in that same place meant to you because I think a lot of people would look at that as stifling and um other people would look at that as like a really great opportunity to explore things and I know we've talked about that so I'd like to hear a little bit more about that yeah I mean well I had plenty of friends um I don't think we have like not a ton of kids leave from lower school to middle school like some do right but you know it's not like a huge thing Mm -hmm. like a couple kids leave but it's not like a big exodus yeah Um, but a lot of kids leave from middle school to high school yeah especially kids that have been there for a long time um um most of the kids that have been there since like kindergarten are either like have kind of known the whole time that they're going all the way through or, like, yeah, want to go. Um, and so I had a ton of friends that left in eighth grade, and I think stifling is the right word, like, felt like that environment was stifling for them. Yeah. I, like, I think that I didn't necessarily, I don't know, I didn't want change. Like, I, right. I enjoyed the stability. The stability and, like, the consistency was extremely comforting for me. Mm. Um I saw myself having two different opportunities for growth and I felt like I could have either had the growth of moving to a big school where I didn't Mm. know anyone being the new kid going to a new environment right or I could have had the growth that I got at Lake Hill of being in a small school of having more opportunities yeah um and I picked the second one that was what was right for me um just personally and I honestly never felt stifled by it Mm -hmm. a ton of people do even kids that like stay through high school like a lot of people do end up feeling that I just like never did I always loved it um I loved I mean I've always been super um 
like high achiever I guess yeah like don't don't try and cushion that you are an extremely high achiever and I think being in a small environment lets you lean into that Mm -hmm. and find the most of that yeah you know even like even in kindergarten I was like uber concerned with getting all like I don't even know what they gave like gold stars yeah instead of like red stars yeah we didn't even get like A's and B's like we got ease for excellent or something on a report card but I was like laying awake at night as a five-year-old like (laughs) oh my god I need to get all ease on my report card like would have probably killed myself if I got like (laughs) if my little you know um oh my god you know where they have like the behavior charts or whatever and like you want to be in the green and if you get like a yellow you're like on On probation yeah and then a red is like you're in big trouble yep I never got outside the green I was like had my eyes trained on that little like green square in my in my pocket I was like oh my god yeah stay there yeah (laughs) um so yeah I don't know I honestly don't really know like I can't really pinpoint like something that made me like that I just I honestly just think I always have been it just worked for you because it wasn't like I was you know a no not that I wasn't normal but like (laughs) it wasn't like I was a normal kid in lower school and I had pressure put on me like throughout middle school or something to be the best be the best like I just think I've been self-motivated to like achieve highly like literally since I was five years old Well, and everything that you're saying like you said at five years old like even the most helicoptery parents aren't gonna be like five-year-old child like make sure you're achieving hitting these marks I think most parents are like you know if they're going to go there that starts to happen like maybe like fourth fifth grade and then it kind of kicks up so obviously very internally motivated and a lot of that pressure came from yourself um but also with being a high achiever I'm like there are some things that I think are intrinsic to people um and other things that you know aren't and are environmental you know honestly like reflecting on it right now with you I almost feel like it's maybe not necessarily that I was born like a high achiever like I don't know if that was intrinsic to me but that I was born like a people pleaser Mm. And, you know, even when I was five years old, I could understand that when I got, like, getting good grades made my parents happy, and I wanted to make yeah. my parents happy. Because my parents were never, like, they were never helicoptery, like, right. like, why don't you have an A+, plus? like, blah, 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 this isn't good enough. Like, I was never told that I wasn't doing good enough, or yeah. that I needed to do better. Like, they emphasized the importance of hard work and success and all right. that stuff, but it's like... Not couched in the, you're not good enough, but right. couched in the, it's good to strive and work hard for things. Exactly. But it's like, they've always been very much like, if you get a B, you're not a failure. Like, you can get things that are less than perfect grades and still be amazing and wonderful, you know? Right. So it's like... I never had that kind of pressure, but I think it's just, like, ever since I was, like, a tiny little, you know, toddler or whatever, like, I understood that when I behaved well, it made my parents happy, and so that's why I was, like, I think that's why I'm a rule follower. Yeah. Um, So, do you think that that intrinsic kind of feeling of being a people pleaser, or you have this um, quality that you were born with where you're able to read people, like, that's kind of a necessary trait to have in order to be able to tell when you are making people happy, do you think that that's kind of something that you've always had? I mean, I think I read people pretty well. I don't know that I was ever, like, super self-aware of that being, like, a quality that people could have, Mm. probably until, like, middle school, maybe. Maybe more of a subconscious thing that you were just doing to try and make other people happy. Um, 
so yeah I don't know I think that's like has contributed to a lot of like the qualities that I didn't even know I was developing but like you know being well behaved like because I know that it makes people happy when yeah like it made my parents happy when I was well behaved so I was and it made my parents happy when I got good grades so I felt I pressured myself to do those things not necessarily maybe even because I knew I wanted to do those things but I knew that that was going to be like the happiest outcome right so you kind of just foreshadowed my next question that I wanted to ask you about and saying not because it made me happy but it made other people happy um have you ever had a moment where like you said you started to become kind of self-aware about why you're doing things how you were operating um where your people pleaser tendency shifted into being more about pleasing yourself or realizing that you know, you can also have these experiences that are just for you and not for other people. Honestly, or not. That's kind of a leading question. So I think that's like something I still struggle with. And I think it's something I wasn't aware I struggled with until really recently. Mm. But like when I first came to SMU and I was like, really struggling to make friends and I kind of just had Mary you know yeah um, and like Ben and I didn't really have like any friends outside of that for the most part and like I still remember like you know talking to Mary and Ben and being like I just feel like such a failure because I know my parents want me to be I was like upset because I knew my parents would be sad that I didn't have friends and that made me more upset than like actually not having, having that many friends. friends. Like you were happy having your people that you did have your small I wasn't really happy. But. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, like, I mean um... it was it was a much bigger factor than I think would a healthy person would consider. <laughs> well, I think you're a healthy person, and I do think that like everyone has this moment growing up where, especially for people pleasers, I'm like you know, I can relate to that. And, you know, being the Mm -hmm. one to put the pressure on yourself, not anyone else saying you have to do this or like, if you fail, you're not good enough. It's like that coming from you to try and make other people happy. A hundred percent. I'm like, I totally feel you. But I think everyone has a time where whether it's college or, you know, they hit the professional working world or whatever. And they realize like, I'm not in the same environment anymore. And you kind of have a realization of, oh, this is who I am and kind of who are you when no one else is involved, Mm -hmm. right? It's like now that I'm not just this kind of function of my parents or function of my school and that friend group, who am I when I'm just by myself? Yeah. Well, I had like, I kind of had a moment with that. So my dad has always been super like, I think maybe more so. Like, my mom has too, but particularly in the last couple years, my dad has been, like, a really big proponent, probably more so to me than my brother, if we're being honest, like, of, like, you should be doing what makes you happy, like, not, basically what we're talking about, like, do what makes you happy, and he's, like, always sending me articles about how, like, you know, for example, you shouldn't take an opportunity just because it is a good one. You should take it because you want, like, he's a huge proponent of that with me. I think because he, like, I think they're very aware of, like, how I am and, like, the pressure that I put on myself and, like, the unhappiness that I generate for myself with that. Right. And not, you can't, I mean, every kid is different, right? Like, not 
every parent is going to be sending those types of articles right. to their kids, right? Because some parents are just trying to get their kid to take good opportunities, right? right? But in this situation where, you know, you already have the baseline of wanting to succeed, you are a high achiever, you have goals that you want to hit, but what you might, like, what a bigger challenge for you is, is the fulfillment piece. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I'm, so I'm, dub- I'm a double major with mm-hmm. poli sign business. Um, just sort of fell into both of those tracks by chance at SMU. Sure. Um, and I was like, I was freaking out about like scheduling for next semester. I was mm-hmm. like having to choose between like a poli sci, like research class or business class. And like some decisions, all decisions are just like super crippling for me. So that was like a huge stressor for me for yeah. like several weeks. And like one day I just like flipped out and I like called my dad and I was like crying. And I was like, I don't even know if I like poli sci. Like, yeah. I like, I like being told I'm a great writer and I like getting all A's. Right. And I like being told I'm, I make really great presentations, but yeah. it's like, I don't know if I actually like poli sci. Yeah. I just like being good at poli sci. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. hundred um, percent. And so I was, like, freaking out, and I was, like, I don't even, I've spent four years, like, doing these two majors, I don't, I've never even given any thought to if I even like them, like, I just like to be good at them, because I right. like to be good at things, and yeah. he was, like, you know, I mean, he was basically just, like, you, and I was, like, I don't, I've wasted all my time, I'm out of time, I don't, I can't do anything else, and can't he was, change like, now. and he was, like, you have not wasted your time, yeah. you're 21 years old, there's a million things you could still do, um, and he was like, I'm really happy that you're reflecting on, like, what makes you happy and not just what you'll be the most successful at because yeah. those are two different things. And he was like, I'm really glad that you're thinking of those two things separately because, you know, I think it'll save you pain in the long run. Yeah, 100%. And I think most people in college have that moment of, like, oh, my God, what did I spend the last four years doing? Because it goes by so fast. You're told to commit to things so early on. And then once you hit a certain point, it's, like, there's... You're, it's the point of no return, right? right. Um, but what there's some stat now that's, like, only 20% of people get jobs in the area that they got their degree in, right? Yeah. I think it's a really <laughs> common thing for... Um, especially people that are driven and want to grow and want to be good, right? Um, and all of the different meanings of that word to be a lifelong learner and mm-hmm. to not let that kind of one education process, but two like self-education and self-growth process that college brings stop there. And I think you're very much that kind of person where it's like, you've always just liked learning too. Mm-hmm. Like, even when we were in high school together, like, you enjoy learning new things and talking about new things. So, yeah, I don't know. For whatever that's worth, that's (laughs) what that made me think of. Um, Something else that I wanted to talk about as we're kind of talking about these things and your parents and how they support you. When I asked you to tell me your story, you also gave a little bit of background on your parents Mm -hmm. and on Matthew. And you were saying that... um, you know, your family has only gotten more important and bigger in your life recently. Why do you think that you feel such a tie, I suppose, to your family in that way that your story really is a part of their story and their story is part of your story too? I think it's, I, hmm, that's tough. I think I, 
have just I think they make me understand unconditional love Mm. and that along with stability like in my mind part of stability is like stable happiness stable love um stable relationships and so for me like stable relationships are super important like right um you know one of my friends from SMU and I were talking just kind of about our like we check in she'll be like how's your boyfriend I'll be like good how's your boyfriend like good how are your roommates good like you know how are the boyfriend how the roommates how's class blah blah blah, all that stuff yeah um and we were like talking one time and she was like you know I think you just like stability more than me I like excitement and which is true like we're yeah she and I are really different um in that sense where I feel like I'm not unstable as a person but it's like I have a lot of stuff going on 24 7 it's like yeah between like classes and like the extracurriculars I'm doing and like the jobs I'm working it's like my life ever since you know even like freshman year has been extremely chaotic it's a constant stream right and so it's like the external world is always chaotic for me and so it's like when the relationships in my life are not chaotic when those are calm all the time that is super super important to me because Mm. you know I can't like control the assignments I'm given I can't control like you know organizations and stuff but it's like I can control whether or not I know I can come home every day and someone will be there that wants to hear how my day was that will take care of me if I'm upset you know what I mean you can choose the people to surround yourself with right and and that gives you it's almost like the stability is a soft place to land exactly yeah and I think that I have a ton of people in my life now that do that but I I can't have known everyone anyone for my whole life besides my family right so it's like my family has done that for me since I can like remember you know my parents have been I have like the best parents in the world you know what I mean um and so I think the older I've gotten and the more chaos that has come into my life the more instability and stressors that I couldn't have even fathomed when I was 16 yeah that are actively part of my life now it's like the more I have come to understand and appreciate the unconditional love that I get from my family Mm. and like how much better like they make my life by being a part of it yeah well and I do think sometimes the you you know there's that saying that's like you don't know a good thing till it's gone it's Mm -hmm. like there are certain things that you have that have always been there that you just don't realize are so important until you hit a certain point and it's like oh my gosh yes I've always had this but not everyone has that right it gives you that place to land and that place to decompress and to find balance too because you're 100 yeah. right like in high school and all the way through now you're just someone you love committing to things you love being involved you love helping other people and that takes time so to have people who understand that part of you that aspect of you and are going to support you in doing that and advocate for you doing that and doing the things you want to do but still like make space right for you to not be on and to not be constantly trying to like help other people or please other people yeah then you can take a breath well and I think that the you know the consistency of knowing people I was talking to Mary about this my um my old roommate because she was my roommate you know freshman sophomore Mm -hmm. year and still my best friend last year and this year and so my current roommates I've really only known since the beginning of junior year Mm kind of same with my boyfriend yeah end of sophomore year beginning of junior year so it's like 
they're a huge support system for me now, but they really don't have a lot of, like, like, background on me. So it's, like, they can offer me comfort in a different way than my parents do, Mm, right? Yeah. And, like, you know, I think that, you know, when I go to Haley and Eleanor for, like, comfort, it's, like, they probably know me the best now. Right now. They know the present Tyler probably better than almost anyone. And so it's, like, they... The, they can give me advice and help from a perspective of knowing me currently very, very well. Yeah. Mary has seen me go through the last four years. And so it's like, you know, Haley and Eleanor know about the things that happened to me freshman and sophomore right. year, like, generally. But Mary was they there. Like, she lived you. them. Yeah. And so it's like, she can give me a different perspective of, like, really knowing me for the last four years. Yeah. And then, like, you know, you and Lovely, I don't see y'all quite as much now the same way I did in high school when we were together every day but it's like you guys give advice from like a different place of any of my college friends of having seen me grow in who I was in high school yeah and I think it the same thing I come back with my parents like they they know me better than anyone because they've seen me better than anyone because they've seen me grow and seen who I was the longest the entire time but I think it's interesting because there is like a different intensity in moments with different relationships in that like time spent certainly is going to make someone like understand you more in that certain frame of your life Mm -hmm. but also you know you have those friends that you see and it's like oh you pick up right where you left off or whatever there are people who are always going to know things about you because they lived it with you you were talking about with Eleanor and Haley your current roommates that um they know the Tyler of right now. And I think that language really speaks to how we all go through these different phases and there's different parts of us that kind of come alive at different moments in our life. What different Tylers have there been? And do you think that there's a through line of the same Tyler that's always kind of been there and always going to be there? Or that you really have like 180 new person throughout your life with all these different phases? I mean... So I think that to the first question, like, what changes, it's just I know more. Yeah. Is what I would characterize it as, like, and not even, not in the sense of, like, academically I know more, but it's, like... experiences. Right. Like, my high school Tyler could never have fathomed Rush. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, that's something, that sort of social experience, the strength that you have to have to get through something like that... It's something Unlike I know now. anything else. And I only know it now because I went through it. I yeah. could never have described that. Like, high school me just didn't have that because yeah. I'd never had that experience. You know what I mean? Um, and so, like, I just think my dad said something to me. Or actually, I think it was my mom. I don't even know what I was complaining about. I was complaining <laughs> about something. <laughs> and my mom was like, like, sweetie, it never gets easier. You just get better at dealing with it. Yeah. Which is really true like you know it's just always going to keep getting harder like in high school I never had the issues of making friends at a huge college where people came from very different like mindsets than I do yeah and right now I don't have to worry about paying bills or making my own money and it's like that's something that's only going to get harder um but you know it is just you get better at dealing with it and I think that's what kind of changes but I would say that there's been like I think I'm I have a consistency, like, in myself. You know what I mean? Like, I would agree. I've known you I was going to ask. Yeah. I was like, I mean, you could probably answer it, because 
You've known me for what? what six, seven years? Eight, wait. Six. You came my six. So- junior year. Your sophomore year, my junior year. Seven. Sophomore, junior, senior for me. Sophomore, junior, senior. senior. Four years Freshman. of college. <gasps> That's crazy. Seven years. Wow. Okay. Also, it's crazy to think because I was thinking about this. You're the friend that I've had for the longest because so many people have like childhood best friends and of course I have friends that like I'm still kind of in touch with and like we follow on Instagram and stuff Mm -hmm. but you're the only friend that I'm like I've been consistently in contact with that long and I just think that like (laughs) this is so tangential to what we were talking about but (laughs) in terms of like relationships you really have seen me grow in so many different ways but I agree and I just think it's in terms of you having this through line and yet you've completely changed in so many other ways. But there are so many things about you that I'm like, that is just Tyler. Mm-hmm. And it's never going to not be a part of who you are. That like fun loving spirit and that energy of like wanting to just enjoy the everyday. And you can't even put into words like everything that is like being in someone else's presence. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I don't think I could even vocalize for you like, the things that are consistent about you but you have been like that stability for me but it's also been so cool to see and I'm sure like you've seen me grow in different ways too like how you are still like my friend Tyler from high school but like you're also now like my adult friend Tyler who we can talk about this kind of stuff with you know I think you're very similar I think you've changed a lot but you're also still you like very much so still you that makes me happy because I think like (coughs) bless you thank you um while it's good to change there is a certain like you-ness mm-hmm. that I think it's like it's your magic you know that you don't want to lose and I think especially I mean I don't go to TCU so I can't speak to it but <laughs> being at schools like SMU and TCU where yeah. there is a ton of pressure to change oh yeah I, I mean like obviously I feel like I probably had it easy like coming from like you know like my parents aren't don't own a 13 million dollar company but like from a well-off family it's like I already had a lot of privileges coming in Mm -hmm. which you know there there's plenty of kids at SMU that have had had a lot less than I have and had a much bigger like much bigger shift and much more pressure even than I did yeah um so I obviously like want to acknowledge that I've been super lucky but like you know the small things where it's like everyone's blonde and I feel like maybe I should have blonde hair or like everyone likes to um carry their like everyone carries their stuff to like class in a purse and like I don't like going to class with a purse I really prefer like a backpack but yeah. like I know it's such a silly example but it's like freshman year I felt I kind of felt like like not 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 feminine enough but like mm. like that I wasn't fitting in with the girls on the campus because I was using a backpack and I didn't look as co- like cool as they did or yeah. whatever you know what I mean or you know this is like my pet peeve I've I hate golden gooses. I think they're the, literally the stupidest thing ever. Same. My parents are kind of, are like, Tyler, isn't it the same as ripped jeans? And I'm like, no. There's a difference between ripped jeans and literal mud on the shoes. Mm-hmm. Like, it's so stupid looking. Yes. Oh my God. I hate them. I hate them so much. Same. Isn't it the same as ripped jeans? That's an interesting Like, yes, but also argument. no. Yes, but no. And I can't explain why. Just <laughs> yeah. yes, but no. Yeah. Yep. 100%. And I mean, like, not to say that if my parents ever listen to this there and they hear me like no one needs designer stuff like 
you don't need to buy expensive stuff. They're going to be like, liar. Yeah. I'm not saying SMU hasn't given me some expensive tastes. Right. So I'm like, I'm not trying to like rag on that, you know, but it's just like, right. there's pressures like that to where it's just like, I don't, I just don't want it. Like, I don't really care to have golden gooses. I don't care to have like yeah. a Louis Vuitton bag. Like, it's just not my preference. Yeah. But it's like, you know, it's kind of hard being in environments like that. I was about to say the environment that already is like naturally comparative. Like, it's so hard in our age demographic, specifically among like young women, but just in general at college, when you see the same people every day that are in like a very similar place to you, obviously, like you said, they're drastically different worldviews at any campus, university, whatever. But when you're in that kind of similar demographic, it is impossible not to face comparison. Right. And so I think it's, you know, especially at campuses like that, where it's just, it's such a bubble. Yeah. Where it's hard to not, like, I think it is kind of hard not to change yourself a little bit. Yeah. Um, And so I think it's, you know... I actually don't even know where we started with that, but I had a really good point about SMU and TCU that I forgot now. Ooh, ooh, okay, yeah. You were talking about um, how you can't really speak to TCU, but going to college campuses where the value system of, like, the mo- the majority of the people there might be different from yeah, us. Yeah, I think I was... I it, it had something to do with, like, not changing. I don't know. I just think it's hard on college campuses like that yeah. not to change the little things about yourself. Yeah. Well, and that doesn't necessarily change, like, going back to, I guess, this the heart of you, right? It doesn't necessarily change the, like, you-ness of you, but it could definitely change how you approach certain things and how you treat certain people, you know? And I think it's good to be cognizant of that to make sure you're not changing in ways that go against your value system yeah. and make sure that you're still growing. But, okay, kind of changing gears a little bit. Okay. To flip back to Lake Hill. Mm -hmm. Obviously, a lot of the private schools in Dallas are religiously based. Lake Hill is not one of those. And I know for me, that was a big driving factor in going because... I mean, this podcast and my blog and all the things can attest, I really wanted a place where I can explore and not be told, like, this is the one truth, um, where I could, like, stay curious and stay open-minded, and so not having to, like, not being required to go to, like, mass or chapel, and then also having, you know, we had such a wide range of different um, worldviews at school because we had a huge foreign exchange student population Mm -hmm. we had um a considerable amount of jewish people as well which i'm like i don't know what this says about me but i'd never really talked or been friends with someone that was jewish before Mm -hmm. and so i learned a lot about that worldview and their culture and also their religion and the difference between culture and religion for um jewish people um So there was just so many different people that went to Lake Hill that I was able to learn from. Um, But you obviously went to Lake Hill from a young age. Were you raised religiously? Was it important to your parents that you go to a non-religious school? And what are the positives and negatives of a non-religious schooling experience? Mm. Okay. In terms of private school, right? Because obviously public schools aren't religious. So, I was, like, sort of raised religiously, like, kind of flexibly religious. (laughs) Yeah. We, like, went to church when I was little. We'd typically go, like, every week when I was little. Mm -hmm. Um, We went to the church on SMU's campus, actually. Oh, Um, that's a really beautiful church. Yeah. My mom, I think, is 
I don't, we've never really talked about it because it's never been a huge thing. I think my mom's yeah. religious. I mean, I, she's kind of, but clearly not super religious. Yeah. If you don't even, really I mean, we're know. not like a mass family or anything, yeah. but like, I know like once we kind of got older, so I went to church, like when I was younger, kind of stopped going for a while. And then my parents got me confirmed in the Methodist church when I was 12. Oh, um, interesting. Okay. And my brother did too. And then after that we were kind of we didn't do church anymore check the box we're good yeah i mean it's just like i think that it wasn't important enough to us to have that be on our schedule just because we were all so busy yeah um so it just kind of dropped off i don't really think my dad is religious again these are kind of speculations because we've never talked about it openly i'm pretty sure actually my dad has he's not religious he's not i don't know if he's atheist or agnostic but he is so when you say religious do you mean like atheist not religious do you mean atheist or do you mean doesn't have one specific religion but still like has a belief in higher power or maybe like a mix of those two things i'm not really sure i if i had to guess based on pure speculation i would say probably atheist because i mean you know you know my dad he's yeah super science driven yeah and so he's like he's very analytical and super analytical yeah and so he's very much like there was no day of creation there was the Big Bang, and here are five books about the Big Bang and, like, why we know it happened. Right, you know what I mean? Right. Um, so he's super, like, human-driven, I would say. Yeah. So I would guess he's probably atheist. I don't really know. Yeah. Um, and then my mom is, I presume, Methodist Christian since we went to a Methodist church. Right. She's not, like, crazy religious or anything, but, I mean, I presume she at least somewhat was since we grew up going to church. Right. And I can't imagine that it would have been my dad's idea. Um, <laughs> right. You're like, it had to come from somewhere. Yeah. Like, she likes to go to church on Christmas Eve. Okay, yeah. Um, we So we typically do that probably because of her, because yeah. I don't I don't really care that much. My dad doesn't. I don't really think sure. my brother does. But I mean, there's also something to say for, because for me, religion and, like, this is going to sound funky, but religion and faith are so different mm-hmm. to me, that religion really is about, like, a community and tradition Mm -hmm. right and like your actual habits and ritual and that kind of thing whereas faith is actually about like your belief Mm -hmm. and do you believe in a higher power or not do you have um some sort of spirituality or not right and so i think that it makes it makes perfect sense to me to like enjoy the ritual of like going to church on christmas eve without being like a devout Christian, right? That there's something nice about lighting a candle and having a yeah. moment for reflection around that time with your family that doesn't necessarily have to be about baby Jesus. Right. <laughs> I think it's interesting because I kind of, I would say that we were raised in like a religion optional household. Cool. I don't really think my parents ever pushed me one way or the other super strongly. Like yeah. obviously we went to church, but my parents never forced us to pray at night or something like that. Right and wasn't like you you had your embossed bible and my yeah and like my dad he obviously was is happy to explain why religious things were actually science things yeah but he never like got mad at us for like asking questions owning a bible or something like that you know what i mean so it was like i think matthew and i were both kind of like raised having the option of understanding what christianity was having gone to church um you know understood my dad's point of view I I almost think that my parents both presented their side and then yeah. just let us figure Do it out on our thing. own. Well, and, and I, that's 
really cool actually because I think a lot of one couples would really struggle to strike that balance right so that's to me really admirable that your parents were able to do that um like I'm like that's really impressive and really cool um but two especially growing up in the south I feel like it's so important that you have a baseline understanding of Christianity because so we are in the Bible belt. Right. Mm -hmm. So even if you don't believe, um, in Christianity or in like Southern Baptist, which is like the most common thing here, most of the people around you probably do. And even for just understanding cultural things, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's important to have some sort of baseline knowledge. Like, one of my roommates the other day was telling me that she only watched, um, it was, it was some TV show, but she was like, I had no interest in the TV show, but I watched it because everyone was talking about it. And Mm -hmm. so I needed to understand it. Right. So I kind of feel like you could do the same thing where it's like, I really don't have an interest in religion, but I'm going to study it a little bit. So I have some sort of baseline to do it. But then also from a parenting perspective, So, really cool that you and Matthew had the opportunity to, like, understand it. But then, also, you're able to make up your own mind. Yeah. And do your own thing and think critically for yourself. Well, and what's interesting is Matthew and I, like, went in two different directions, I think. Oh, really? Matthew's not... If you're listening to this, Matthew, I'm not trying (laughs) to speak for you. He's not a devout Christian by any means. You know what I mean? But I remember, like... So, growing up, you remember he went to... Actually, I might not have known you at this point. He went to Canacuck. Oh, that, yeah, yeah, Which is, like, a Christian I, I remember camp. that, yeah, yeah, And yeah. he didn't go because it was Christian. He went because all of his friends all were his going friends and he going. wanted to go. I don't remember him going to Canacuck. I remember hearing about... About Canacuck. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I would... And I don't think... I don't know that he's, like... He doesn't go to church or anything. Right. But I would definitely say that, you know, once we both got past the confirmation thing, after, like, sixth grade and we were kind of figuring our own stuff out, he went in... I would say he was a little bit Christian. Like, okay. I definitely think he believed in like god and like jesus and i think he probably like prayed a little bit and i went the other way i i definitely strayed more towards my dad where i was like like i don't i don't know how to describe it. i i just like believe that things come from people you know what i mean yeah well and i mean to kind of speak to what i was saying about your dad earlier and what you were saying about your dad you are also a very like analytical person mm-hmm. and a very logical person not to say that you don't like use your feelings or like have your emotional connections with people and that kind of stuff because of course you do but when it comes to like thinking through things you're very logical and not that religion or spirituality isn't logical but I think there are certain aspects of it that you can't explain right and so it's like if you can't explain every aspect of a belief system that makes it really hard for someone who's really has really strong like critical reasoning yeah to be like i can still buy in right and so yeah i don't know we we kind of both took after different parents yeah um and i actually remember i think i was probably like a freshman in high school maybe freshman or sophomore i was like young ish and matthew was definitely still middle school um but we were at dinner i like still remember this we were at dinner one night and he and my dad were like in this argument because matthew was like he was basically trying to argue like why couldn't the creation story be true and my dad was like it's objectively not true like we have scientific evidence blah 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 and i was arguing for matthew's side oh interesting like not because i don't know i 
you know Matt. Like, I, yeah. I have always had a soft spot for Matthew. Yeah. It's like, anytime... Y'all really, really close. Yeah. Anytime he was ever in an argument with one of my parents, like, I was always very quick to defend his side. Yeah. Just because I didn't like seeing him sad and stuff. Yeah. So... You know, and like at the time, you know, I feel like a sixth grade to eighth grade, like reasoning, articulation, that's a pretty big difference. So I was trying to like yeah. help him out. I mean, truth. Um, and I like, we finally got down to it where I was like, I like kind of figured out what, what the point of contention was. And I told my right. dad, I was like, Matthew's not saying that you're wrong, but you're saying that it's impossible for like that to be like the, you're saying that it's objectively wrong to believe that creation um, is what is how the world started and yeah. a belief can't be objectively wrong and my dad was like mm. you know what like you're right sorry Matthew blah 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 and we kind of moved past it but like That's I don't know like interesting I think even though yeah I mean no, none of us were very strongly one way or the other yeah maybe my dad was a strong atheist but that's like probably the first we would go like yeah but yeah we definitely kind of went in different directions with that but I don't really know how he is now like because I'm not around him all the time like we yeah. just don't really ever talk about that but um I think that that was that's how I would characterize my like growing up with Experience. religion yeah yeah so after your confirmation and you kind of start exploring and thinking about your own belief system whatever do you think there was ever a conscious moment of like I am going to sit and think about religion and then you came to the conclusion of like, you know, I really think I fall more on the side of like, it's from human beings or do you think it was more of a kind of gut feeling where it's like, no, that just really doesn't sit right with you and that you're, well, I don't want to say gut feeling because I don't want it to sound like I'm um, reducing your Mm -hmm. belief to that. Um, But more of an intuition where it's like that just doesn't make sense to me and it just kind of clicked that it's like no it has to come from humans I don't think it was ever a specific moment I think part of it was like part of it was a gut feeling type thing yeah or intuition but I think it's I think it my attitude towards like religion was very closely tied to like sort of what we talked about earlier like just how I am as a person yeah because you know growing up it's like I, this thing has to be done for volleyball. Someone has to do this for volleyball. I have to do it. You know, I'm not going to get good grades if I don't study every night. I'm not going to, you know, if I got in fights with my friends, well, I'm going to be unhappy unless I talk to them about it. Right. And so it's like, I've always had a very much like a, nothing's going to happen if I don't do it. Yeah. Which I think has been exacerbated by the fact that I take on leadership roles where like yeah. that's almost reinforced you are the person where like the where, like, stops with objectively you. true like, yeah you know if I'm a, the president of an organization and I don't do anything this event's not nothing's happening. gonna happen. so it's like I think those experiences have kind of compounded that feeling in me so I think that was kind of my process with that yeah of course it's good to like turn to someone for help like we all need help at certain points but unless you believe in an interventionist God, right? Like if that's your belief right. system, then you can do that. But I think it's actually pretty rare now to find even really spiritual people that believe in an interventionist God, even if you do believe in that. So I'm like, my opinion on like prayer has almost shifted to where I, I'm like, it's almost a form of meditation, mm. you know? And I'm like, I can see value in that, 
sure there's synchronicities and I believe the universe listens to like what we need and you know if you put bad things out in the world bad things are going to come back mm-hmm. to you but no one else is going to save you like you right. got to save yourself yeah I would definitely say I don't think I'm atheist like I think I'm probably agnostic like I you know I think that like this sounds like dumb but it's like I do believe in like like magic in the world like beauty yeah. and love and like good things like that see that 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 doesn't sound dumb at all to me but yeah <laughs> so it's like I definitely believe in like higher powers you know yeah. what I mean I just don't think I like don't subscribe to like a religion with yeah. that you know and I think honestly Lake Hill was probably a big part of that I don't think that the school itself ever enforced secularism but I, tell me if you agree with me I feel like so when I came to SMU there's a ton of Christian kids at SMU yeah and like my roommate she's pretty Christian oh really um Mary yeah she did oh, I knew that I, knew, I was thinking Eleanor like Haley. our sophomore year yeah. not yeah not Eleanor Haley but like our sophomore year like she went to Bible study and stuff yeah. and like I was shocked when, like, I my freshman year, that was a huge culture shock for me at SMU, coming to campus and hearing girls casually talking about their plans to, like, go to church on Sunday, because I kind of feel like being Christian was, like, taboo at Lake Hill. That is so interesting, and I wonder if that is part of, like, what reinforced some of my worldview, too, which, not that, like, I certainly wasn't, like, calling myself a Christian mm-hmm. when I came to Lake Hill, that phase of my life like was behind me but I was certainly like in this exploration phase where I I wanted to stay open-minded and kind of how you're saying you're agnostic I feel like that's very much where I've been since Mm -hmm. um like right before going to Lake Hill up until now where I'm like I just want to stay really open and learn as much as I can and then be able to use my own like thoughts and reasons and feelings to form my own opinions about you know the universe but if someone came in and started like no I believe in like this very traditional um practice I almost think it was taboo to be traditional and to then not think further about it you know think really critically about what people are telling you don't take anything at face value take it one step further And so I think for me, when I heard someone say, oh, yes, I'm Christian, I have these very, like, traditional practices, it was, you're only Christian because your parents said that, not because you might actually believe it. Well, and it's interesting because, like, you know, I grew up K through 12, so I grew up with all, there was, like, what, three Jewish guys in my grade? Yeah. So I went to all of their bar mitzvahs. They did, um, like, what's the, um... Jewish version of Sunday school is it just Sunday school oh I I couldn't tell you they went to like temple on right I feel like Saturday is the Jewish one they went to temple Mm -hmm. like once a week um like a lot of them like had like jobs at temple like they could read I think they could read Hebrew like yeah it was I mean it wasn't like a topic of conversation because we didn't go to a Jewish school but it's like right we all at least I feel like the people that were friends with them were pretty clear on like what their religious practices were yeah that wasn't a secret and that and that wasn't taboo you know what I mean it's like we all thought it was like I wasn't even really close with them but I feel like I like we were like acquaintances friendly acquaintances and I like 
fully knew, you know, what the dealio was. Right. So, like, they were open about their religion, and, like, even, like, in high school, like, the Muslim kids, I felt like were pretty decently open about their religion, and no one thought that was weird. Like, I never got... I never felt like anyone thought it was weird when the Jewish kids talked about their faith or when the Muslim kids talked about their faith. Um, And I almost feel like the school tended to, like... Like, do you remember that whole thing where um, someone made... Someone gave, like, an anti-Muslim presentation, like... It was he gave like oh, gosh. he used that like oh, he used that gosh. super Islamophobic article for like something now. in Davis's class and everyone got pissed because I think we all grew up with like at least this was my perception that I Lake Hill uh, educated me in a culture where like Judaism and Islam was normal mm-hmm. except not Christianity which I think is interesting because it wasn't like we were taught secularism right because Judaism and Islam those were talked about but kids who were Christian did not talk about it. And, like, I think I've seen, like, after we've left Lake Hill, kids that almost came out as Christians. Like, yeah. kids I see openly posting about their Bible study, like, their church groups. Yeah. That, since we left, have come out that never talked about that yeah. at Lake Hill. That's such an interesting point, and that's so true. I wonder if... Because Lake Hill was a pretty liberal school. Like, obviously, Mm -hmm. um, there were, like, conservative people that went there. But in terms of, like, education policies and um, kind of mindset, I think that a lot of our leadership did fall on that side. And I wonder if there was kind of this um, conflation of Christianity with conservatism. Right. And so it was... I actually definitely think that's true. Okay. Because, I mean growing up in the south i think that there is a correlation there but there that's not causation like just because someone yeah. has a certain religious practice don't doesn't mean they believe certain things politically but i think it was also the same way someone would like come out as republican wow i'm i'm, I'm like stuttering now because i just <laughs> had never thought about that but i think that's actually <coughs> a really good point and probably informed a lot of both of our worldviews mm-hmm. and comfort with agnosticism and both of us kind of taking on that title now that like we were surrounded by I mean you obviously much more than me because you grew up at Lake Hill and I only had two years there but being surrounded by wonderful people from all walks of life and it just being normalized yeah but the more common outside of Lake Hill things I feel like were taboo inside of Lake Hill yeah, for sure. I was, like, I was so shocked when I came to SMU and heard people openly talking about, and, like, not not because I consciously, I, I mean, it's such an unconscious bias in me because yeah. of how I was, like, you know, um, like, not raised at Lake Hill, but how I was socialized at Lake Hill. Yeah. To where I was, like, I can't believe that, like, there's people openly talking about going to church. Like, like I feel like they should keep that secret. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that was, and obviously I've unlearned that. Like right you know, living with a roommate that was Christian, like, we, we actually used to talk all the time, like, she would come home from her Bible studies, and we would just talk about, like, what she learned, and she would, like, explain it to me, and I would, like, ask her questions about it, so it's, like, I've been socialized out of that, but (laughs) definitely the first time I came, that gut reaction was, whoa, this is super not normal, yeah, I mean, that's, like, an odd thing, and I think it makes sense, too, I think socialized is such a good word for it, like, no matter where you are, whatever is the norm there especially when you're growing up is what your subconscious kind of clings on to and adopts 
I also think it's really wonderful that you and Mary would talk about her Bible study stuff. And obviously, like, you still have, if you were going to pick an umbrella, you'd pick agnosticism. But I think that really speaks to your natural curiosity as a person and your lifelong learner kind of attitude in that even if it's not going to like completely change your practices or your worldview, like you still want to give other people that space to share with you and to learn together, which I think that's really lovely. Yeah, I think it was like uniquely um, symbiotic for us. Um, yeah. Because like I didn't know anything about Christianity really. Um, so like, you know, she would come back and she would tell me things that I like hadn't learned. And it's like right. I was learning about Christianity. I was becoming more informed on the religion and then, like, also when we would talk, like, sometimes I would be like, well, that doesn't seem right to me. And she would be like, honestly, like, I don't think it's right either. And that's, like, somewhere I struggle to, like, follow that teaching. You wow. know what I mean? So it's, like, I think it was a really uniquely beneficial, like, relationship for both of us to have. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I kind of miss that, honestly. Like, my roommates now really aren't religious at all. Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, Eleanor's Jewish, but, like neither of them are super like as christian as mary was so it's like i'm just really not learning about that stuff anymore like i was when mary and i lived together right well that is super interesting um and i feel like really beneficial for me to hear about and to like acknowledge our shared experience of that and like that really helps me identify some unconscious bias that i probably have too about that so thank you for sharing that i'm (laughs) glad we got to talk about that um, okay, we are actually over our time, so we're going to wrap up with two final questions. Okay. One, is there anything that we missed that you want to talk about that you were like, it is important while the mic is hot to bring <laughs> up, or because we talked about something, you want to clarify something, or anything like that? Honestly, like, I don't think so. Like, I... I think it was really interesting our discussion about like Lake Hill and religion because that's something I've identified but I never really made the connection of like probably because Lake Hill was liberal yeah Christianity was almost like repressed because it was associated with conservatism yeah like which I think is so interesting (coughs) for a private school in Dallas too because so much of what I would associate with any other private school is really conservative like rich white people that send their kids there that are probably like christian and conservative you know yeah and lake hill is certainly like the odd school out in that sense and so it's almost like they rebounded so hard the other way that the students saw that culture as taboo right so interesting things to think about things to think about (laughs) okay um and then my final question one word in one word um and because you're a writer and all the good things you can't hyphenate you can't okay okay do any tricks um how do you feel right now happy that's such a dumb word no it's everyone always says like oh that's a dumb word i'm like no it's a perfect (laughs) word i don't know i mean I, like, never really have introspect, not never have introspective conversations, but this was a very unique experience for me. Like, I don't really feel like I ever just sit down and talk about, like, and unpack, like, my story or unpack, yeah. like, religion and, like, Lake Hill and religion or my relationship with religion. Like, I just don't really have much cause to have yeah. insightful conversations like that. So I feel very satisfied about, like, the things that I uncovered today. That makes me really happy. And me too. It's... 
honestly a big reason behind I think my desire to start a podcast is because or to have started a podcast is because it kind of formalizes and gives credence to like having conversations like this Mm -hmm. because you can't just like walk up to someone at a party and be like hey tell me your story were you raised (laughs) with religion like (laughs) they'd be like um excuse me uh sounds like a like a fedora where like yeah tell me your story (laughs) yeah like in a slam poetry coffee (laughs) shop that's what i would encounter um and so it's like i don't want to be that person but this lets me like connect with the people i love and i always learn something new i'm like even though we've been friends for seven years i feel like I learned more about you. So thank you for being so open and giving with your energy and your time. And I'm really glad we got to do this. Of course. Me too. Okay. I will see you after I turn off the microphone. all so much for being here and listening today. Today, while I was editing the pod, a video that I was watching a couple days ago occurred to me again. And in this video, the person I was watching said that human beings are meaning makers and that in any instance, they will make meaning. And of course, that really stuck out to me simply because of the language and how it mirrors the title of the podcast but also how meaning-making isn't a choice as to whether it's going to happen or not. It is simply a choice in how we're making meaning. So I hope that by listening to this podcast and being a part of the Cohere Collective, you feel like you are making meaning in a more intentional, direct way. That's the goal anyways. So again, Thank you all so much for being here and listening to this episode. Thank you to Podington Bear for making Meanings Theme Music, and if you want more info about today's episode, head to thecoherecollective.com and click on blog. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, and you can subscribe to our newsletter on thecoherecollective.com so you never miss another episode. For updates on all of our stuff, follow us at the Cohere Collective on Instagram, our Facebook page, and our LinkedIn page. You can also follow me on Instagram at Lillian Reese Brown. And if you feel so inclined, please leave an honest review or rating. This truly helps me reach people who will resonate with my content and hopefully reach my goal of making the world a better place. Sharing the pod is also a great way to start conversations with important people in your life if you were inspired by anything in today's episode. Right now, I'm feeling full. One, I just had dinner. (laughs) I had some dumplings, and so I'm feeling full in that way. But also emotionally full, because listening back to this conversation with one of the people that I love most in this world was just really rewarding to hear how much we know that we've both grown, not just in our own journeys, but also together as friends that we've grown in our relationship as well and that makes me really grateful and really proud that I have this strong friendship one last time thank you for being here I just can never reiterate that enough it truly means the world to me and I hope you feel like you are living more coherently I will catch y'all next time love